Lord, we thank you for your presence. We know that two or three are gathered together in your name. You're here in our midst. We thank you for that. God, I pray that you would just increase our awareness of your presence and your goodness, your strength. Lord, I thank you. Just go back to that childhood prayer. God is great. God is good. And I just thank you that you are great and you're awesome and you're power. You're, you're mighty, God. And that kind of troubles me because recognizing of my, our sinfulness, Lord, you and your holiness and your strength, uh, it kind of causes us to tremble in fear. But you're also good and your patience and your kindness. And so thank you, Lord, that even though in my humanity, my sinfulness, you in your holiness look upon me with love because of the grace of Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for your great salvation. We just pray right now that you would just absolutely fill this room Lord, that you would just cast out anything of darkness that might bring distraction, that might bring confusion, that might cover our eyes with darkness. Lord, we, we ask that you would remove the veil of darkness over every mind here today, that your truth would shine through. We just take authority over this household. This is God's people in God's place for God's purposes and anything that's not of that order, it needs to go. So Lord, thank you. Thank you that through the kingdom of God, through Jesus Christ, we have spiritual authority. And we just ask, Lord, that you just fill this room with your presence, casting off everything that's not of you. And we're just going to give you the glory for it. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. I want you to listen to this uh, first statement that I have very closely because it's, a, it's, a, it's a, an important statement. One that can be easily confused, but it is, uh, it is so, so true. And, this, and here it is. Y'all ready? Y'all ready? Y'all ready? <laughs> Y'all not ready. <laughs> Y'all not, you got to listen, listen close. You were never meant to know right from wrong. I know. Just think on that for a second. But everything we do as Christians, isn't it? It's kind of all lines up. Is, is this right? Is this wrong? Is this for, But you were never meant to the original intent of God for humanity was not that you live with the knowledge of right and wrong. Genesis 1.1, as this earth was without form and void on day one of creation, verse 1 says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Chapter Chapter 1 continues to go through the whole creation story. And what we know is that on day one of creation, when time began, that this earth was just some formless blob of nothingness. And and it was chaos. And God speaks into the chaos and starts creating order. He, He creates structures. He creates systems. He begins putting things in place as they should be. And, uh, It's interesting that when God speaks into your darkness, all of a sudden he starts putting things in order. Amen. And he he starts with light. (laughs) He said, first, let there be light. 
And when he speaks into our darkness, he starts off with the light of truth. And so he begins to put things in order. And, and see, I'm a, I'm a free spirit kind of guy. I'm a live by the seat of your pants kind of guy. Uh, a, a little too much order, it just don't work well with me. I, but I also hate chaos. I absolutely despise chaos because then I can't be as free as I want to be. And so interesting thing about God, everything he does has order and everything has structure and systems. He begins with structure and systems. He puts things into creation, and then he puts time, and he puts seasons, and, and he puts all of these, these ecosystems, and, and everything kind of works together with other things, and then he creates man and, and, and forms man out of the dust of the earth, and he breathes life into man and creates man a, soul, a living soul. And what are we made up of? We're made up of structure and systems. You have a circulatory system, a nervous system, a respiratory system, and, and all of those things that I learned in science class in school. And so with God comes order. So as God spoke into the nothingness of what was the earth and begins creating order, he, he then, in the order of all the wonderful creation that he made, plants in the midst of the earth, let's look in chapter 2, verse 8, a garden. The Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there he put the man whom he had formed. And out of the ground the Lord God made every tree grow that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. They were pretty, and they taste good. <laughs> I don't know if it did say it tastes good. It's good for food. And the tree of life was also in the midst of the garden, and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Two types of trees mentioned. Tree of life, tree of knowledge of good and evil. Of those two trees, God tells them there's one that you need to eat from and there's one you better not eat from. And so verse uh, 17, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat for in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. And so here's this tree. And if you eat of that tree, you're going to know right and wrong. Don't eat of it. Isn't that interesting? I mean, have you ever really thought of it that way? Have you ever really thought of it that way, that God never intended, man was not supposed to live off of the knowledge of what is right and what is wrong. What was man supposed to do? He was supposed to live in fellowship with the Lord. Y'all not, not with me. Y'all got to talk to me. Y'all got to respond. How are you supposed to live? Knowledge of good and evil? Fellowship with the Lord. Fellowship with the Lord. You weren't supposed to live by knowledge of, well, this is right and this is wrong. No, you're supposed to live in fellowship with the one who has all knowledge, all perfect knowledge. And when living in fellowship with him, he would just, they would, they would take walks with him in the cool of the morning. And don't you know, he'd just steer them away from, steer them away from. And you know, he still does that today. Amen. He still walks with you and, and talks with you and fellowships with you and he'll steer you away from the wrong. That's what you were supposed to know. You're not supposed to know right and wrong. You're supposed to know him and intimately and deeply. Well, as he created everything perfectly, but then he said, that tree's not for you. You leave that tree for me. Uh, they, they couldn't help it. Everything was theirs, but they had to have the one thing they weren't supposed to have. And so they eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. In, the chapter, in chapter 3 of the book of Genesis, you see what happens when the curse comes upon uh, all creation. Uh, and, and so with sin comes a curse. So now that God has taken chaos and created order, with sin, order now turns into conflict. We have conflict. 
We have conflict all across humanity and all across even nature itself. There becomes conflict, and then it reverts back to chaos. Everybody kind of tracing how that works? When God speaks light into our lives, light shines in the darkness, and God begins putting things in order spiritually. Amen? He gives you an opportunity to walk with him in fellowship with him, and yet we always want to know more. We always want to experience more. We always want to go into the areas that we're not meant to go in. And if you've been around church very long, you've probably heard this statement, sin will take you farther than you want to go. Everybody know this statement? I added a a phrase to this statement, but sin will take you farther than you want to go, keep you longer than you want to stay. Here's my phrase I added, teach you more than you want to know and cost you more than you want to pay. It's going to teach you more than you want to know. That, but I want to know things. No, you don't want to know those things. You don't want to know those things. You, you don't need to know those things. Those things aren't meant for you to know. God didn't, get, didn't build you with a beautiful brain so that you can know everything about everything. In fact, that's kind of what's happening in our world today is we're in this information age where there, anything is at the touch of a finger. And, and we, we have huge brains but little tiny hearts. They're just kind of shriveling up and dying. And so God's like, no, you just meant to walk with me. You just meant to walk with me. Well, they, they didn't. They failed. They sinned. With that comes the curse. With the curse comes conflict. With the conflict comes chaos. And round and round and round we go. But man, in his desire uh, to have and, and do and, and know, sinned. And then with that, I'm going to give you my personal opinion. It doesn't say this word for word in the scriptures, but I believe that Adam and Eve were covered with the glory of the Lord. It says that they were naked and were not ashamed. I believe they were covered with the glory of the Lord. And when they sinned, the glory left. And, and, and so that's when they finally realized, oh, I'm naked. And so they go and find fig tree and pick fig leaves and make themselves clothes from fig leaves. Now, I got a fig tree at my house. There's a fig tree right over here by our admin building. I don't think there's a leaf out there that withers as fast as a fig leaf. <laughs> I'm telling you the truth. You pull that off tree and just watch it. You just watch it just shrivel up and wither. And so what did that mean? They were probably constantly having to reclothe themselves. And that's exactly what we do, child of God. When you find out that you are naked, you are exposed, all your vulnerabilities are open for the world to see, all of a sudden we begin clothing ourselves with good works. We church attendance and and all of these things we try to cover our insecurities we cover our vulnerabilities and say god i'm okay i'm okay look i'm covered god says man can't cover those things man uh, was exposed and god in his love for humanity even though the curse has happened god comes and closed them and the only way that they could be closed was with the shedding of blood Now, I want you to know that I'm speaking kind of a dual language right now. I'm talking about physical clothing, but I'm not just talking about physical clothing. I'm talking about spiritual covering. Talking about spiritual covering. And so they were trying to cover themselves, but that's exactly what I'm talking about that we do. We try to cover ourselves with good works and things like this, but there's no covering there. It required blood. There's... There was blood, there was blood shed in the sacrificial system and, and so on and so forth because God wanting that fellowship with man, he had to get man covered so that they could be back in relationship with him again. 
So he forms what we now know as the law. The book of Exodus, it tells us of how Moses went on the mountaintop and he comes down with the law. And you, man, you, y'all studied the law, right? My goodness. I mean, you got the Ten Commandments. Those are tough enough. But you get into all those details. I mean, whew, I, mean I read the Bible every year. I get excited as I start January 1 and Genesis 1. But about a couple months in, I'm just, try, I'm just trying to make it. I'm just like, Lord, this stuff is crazy. This, this stuff, Lord, I'm, I'm going to keep reading it, but your law was crazy, God. <laughs> when you get into the law, what you begin realizing is that the very thing that God says, I don't want you to touch that, I don't want you to eat of that, that very thing is what he had to use in order to give man his covering back. Knowledge of good and evil. And even it was incomplete. And so it's almost as if man says, I know what you said, but I know what I'm going to do. And God says, okay, let's have it your way then. You think you can live by knowledge of good and evil? You think you can live by a righteous requirement and a standard of goodness? You think you can do that? Let's set that system up, see how that works out for you. How did it work out for us? Didn't work out. And so even through the giving of the law, Man was proven insufficient and sinful. With sin, man lost his covering, tempted to cover himself, but the only covering must be from God. God's love for man moved God to provide man opportunity for fellowship again. But he would use man's choice, knowledge of good and evil, and give them the law. Man got what he wanted. But then he didn't want what he got. You ever been there? Man, now that I got what I wanted, I don't really want what I got. Oh, you want knowledge of good and evil? Here you go. Here is the law. Now you know what's right. Now you know what's wrong. Problem is, here's the issue with the law. The law only highlights the wrong and the right, but it does not empower you to live it. It only tells you what's wrong. It only tells you what's right. It does not give you the ability to live up to those standards. And that's a problem. You know why it's a problem? Because you can't do it. You can't do it. I can't do it. None of us can do it. And so now we have this system put in place in which God shows man, no, you're sinful. Every one of us is sinful. Romans chapter 3, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. None of us can live up to the righteous requirement. And the law showed man that, but yet when man was trying to, and man always does, don't you know? By the way, when I say man, ladies, you're involved. <laughs> I mean mankind. <laughs> it's not just us men. And that, that we always want to take what God used to show us that we're sinful, and we want to use it to show ourselves righteous, but you can't. You can't. All it does is show you yourself sinful. I want to look at a passage of scripture. Uh, Ezekiel. Have y'all got? Uh, I didn't write that down. Ezekiel. Somebody help a brother out. Ezekiel 36, 26. Ezekiel 36, 26. This is good stuff right here. Ezekiel 36, 26. Now that sin has entered into the world... And then God puts a system in place because God wants to desperately have a relationship with man. He would use the nation of Israel to, to, to be the people that he would show his kindness to. They were to show the world that 
being in relationship with God was a good thing. The man was frustrated that he couldn't bring it about on his own. But then when you get to Ezekiel 36, we're going to start in verse 23. It's easy to see in my Bible because I've underlined, but I'll just try and put some emphasis in this and see if you can pick up a pattern. Verse 23 says, And I will sanctify my great name, which has been profaned among the nations, which you have profaned in your midst. And the nations shall know that I am the Lord says the Lord God, when I am hallowed in you before their eyes. He's speaking to the nation of Israel, how he would use them to bring glory to his name so that humanity would look upon God and saying, he's the Savior. Everybody with me? Anybody with me? All right, thank you. Verse uh, 24. For I will take you from among the nations, gather you out of all countries, and bring you into your own land. Then I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you shall be clean. I will cleanse you from all your filthiness and from all your idols. Anybody picking up a pattern yet? I will give you a new heart. Amen? And put a new spirit within you. I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes. And you will keep my judgments and do them. Then you shall dwell in the land that I gave to your fathers. You shall be my people and I will be your God. I will deliver you from all uncleanness and I will call for the grain and multiply it and bring no famine upon you. And I will multiply the fruit of your trees and increase in your field. Everybody picking up on what God's saying? What you couldn't, he can and he will. Amen. And then I like even over here in chapter 37, I got this highlighted. I didn't give y'all any of these scriptures, so I know Jesus can catch up. Chapter 37, verse 14. I will put my spirit in you, and you shall live. Amen. Amen. So this is exactly what we were meant for, to walk in fellowship with the Lord and live by his spirit. But instead, we wanted a checklist. And we still do it. Christian, it's easier for me to live by a list of right and wrong because my spirit, no, cancel that, my soul, it is harmonized with this world. There's, there's three enemies of the Christian, the world, the devil, and our own stinking flesh. That's your three enemies. The world, the devil, and our own flesh. And so that fleshly part of me, it it continues to drift away from the Lord, but I can still walk in religion okay. Now, don't get me wrong when I talk about religion. The Bible says that religion pure and undefiled is to to take care of the fatherless and the widow. I'm not not bad-mouthing religion, but I'm going to tell you what my definition is that I don't want to live by, and that is rules, ritual, and repetition. No, I was meant to live by relationship. Amen. But I can live out of fellowship with the Lord and still check the boxes. I don't know if y'all hearing me. I can live out of fellowship with the Lord and still read the word. Still throw up some prayers. Still attend church. Might even go to a small group. I can still check the boxes. Are y'all checking? Y'all see what I'm saying? Has anybody ever been there done that? Me yesterday. I'm telling the truth. We, let's just go ahead and get real. I mean, because I think we really ought to be real in here. Maybe you come in here to the house today 
and said, this was just a checkbox. Well, you weren't meant to live that way. No, you were meant to live in fellowship with the Lord. You were meant to live in unity, in communion with the Lord. And, and you were meant to live by that tenderized heart that he placed inside of us and that spirit of God that could speak to that heart and lead us in that pathway. Amen? Amen. This is, I'm, I'm preaching better than y'all talking to me. I'm going to get excited up here and throw something. Romans chapter 7. Romans chapter 7 verse 8. Going back to this business of sin and the law. So there's some big butts in the Bible. We're going to start with one right here. It's an ugly one. It's, a, it's an ugly butt. But sin. But sin. Taking opportunity by the commandment. Everybody say law. law. Everybody tracking? Sin, taking opportunity by law, produced in me all manner of evil desire. For apart from the law, sin was dead. In other words, it had no strength. It had no ability. But now that I know what is right and wrong, now I'm guilty. Everybody got it? Verse 9. I was alive once without the law. But when the commandment came, sin revived and I died. Verse 10. And the commandment which was to bring life, I found to bring death. Knowledge of good and evil. It had all the promises. You remember that? You remember Satan come on alongside Eve and said, boy, it, it looks good, don't it? It'll give you knowledge. It'll give you what God don't want you to have because you'll be like God. You remember all of the promises that came with that tree. Actually, it didn't bring life. It brought death. That's exactly what the Lord had to put the system in place to provide a covering for man that man could have a, or God could have a relationship with man. But it was law. It was still back to knowledge of good and evil. But I want to look at chapter 5 of Romans verse 17. For if by the one man's offense, that one man being Adam, and ladies, you are not off the hook. Y'all know Eve started this. <laughs> Y'all know I'm telling the truth. <laughs> For if by one man's offense, death reigned through the one. Death reigned through the one. In other words, Adam and Eve sin. With sin comes the curse. And the curse took over all creation. You read it in Genesis chapter 3. You can read it in Romans chapter 8. There was this bondage of corruption. And that sin just corrupted everything. Everything, everything on, in all existence is corrupted by sin. And so sin like takes over. Takes over. For if by one man's offense death reigned through the one, much more those who receive, amen, walk, walk through this scripture with me, much more those who receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one, Jesus Christ. I'm going to unpack that verse of Scripture because there's a lot in there. And what it's saying is that 
when the curse happened on the earth and man was corrupted and all creation was corrupted and the earth itself was corrupted because of sin, sin began to reign over all the earth. We went from a, a, a nothingness void that God spoke life into and then life into and all the systems and structures and everything became orderly till sin comes and with the sin comes the curse and the curse brings conflict and then back to chaos we go. So sin now reigns over the earth. God wasn't satisfied with that. And so God says, no, I got a, a greater plan. And, 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 and this is so cool because he says in verse 17, you're part of the plan. You're part of the plan. No longer does he, he's not satisfied with sin reigning over the earth. He said, no, I want you to reign over the earth. Amen. Y'all not tracking with me. Y'all come on. Y'all got to get excited here. Let's read this again. For if by one man's offense, death reigned through the one, much more those who receive the abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness, I'll come back around to this, will reign in life. Much more. Everybody say much more. Much more more than what? Much more than the corruption of sin. You will reign in Christ Jesus over all that junk. Amen? Amen. That's exciting. That is so good. Who received the abundance of grace. Grace upon top of grace. Well, how do I get his grace? Well, I'm looking at it. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We read that in Romans 3.23. And the wages of sin is death. Here's one of those beautiful buts. But the gift of God is through Jesus Christ. We have eternal life through Jesus Christ. Amen? It's the gift. It's the gift. It's the gift. You can't earn it. It's a gift. Let's read it again. For by one man's offense, death reigned through the one. Much more, much more, those who receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one, Jesus Christ. If I'm going to reign in life, it's going to be through Jesus Christ. It's not going to be through checklists. It's not going to be through knowledge of good and evil. It's not going to be through Bible studies in which we go over and over again. This is wrong. This is wrong. This is right. Preacher, can I do this? Preacher, is this wrong? Where's the line, preacher? Can I just tow it? Can I get right up to the line and be still okay? I haven't sinned yet. That's knowledge of good and evil. You weren't meant to live that way. You were meant to live. You were not just meant to exist. You were meant to reign in this life. Through Jesus Christ. I ain't through. Verse 18. Therefore, as through one man's offense, judgment came to all men. The wages of sin is death. Resulting in condemnation. I hate that word. I hate that word, condemnation. Even so, through one man's man's righteous act, Jesus on that cross, the free gift came to all men, resulting in justification of life. Which you want to live in, condemnation or justification? Condemnation. Condemnation. It's a, it's a horrible word. But praise God, I don't have to worry about it because I look right over here to chapter 8, verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus who do not walk according to the flesh but according to the Spirit. See, I, I, just, I, just, I just started off with that verse 
that I love so much, but then I finish that verse by saying, it's not walking in knowledge of good and evil, it's walking in the Spirit. Being led by the Holy Spirit. So do we want to live in condemnation? We want to live in justification. What is justification? Well, there's one way that preachers kind of like myself who like to simplify things, I like to put the cookies on the bottom shelf, you know what I mean? It's justified never sin. Justified. Just if I'd never sinned. Just as if I had never committed that first sin. If I am in Christ Jesus, I am justified. Amen. Amen. My watch is even congratulating me. Like, You're preaching good, preacher. You're doing good. <laughs> Actually, it was a calendar. That was like, you were going too long. That's Verse 19, for as by one man's disobedience, we keep going back to that one man. Why? Because all that happened in the book of Genesis has affected everything all throughout creation. But here's a neat, neat little note that you should, you should realize. When sin came into creation in the book of Genesis, all those things that were lost in Genesis, this is, this is one book. So yes, it's 66 books, but there's one author. And at the end of this one book, all of those things that were lost due to the curse have been restored because the curse is done away with. Amen? Including the tree of life. And what's so beautiful, even in the book of Ezekiel, it tells us kind of how all this plays out. And a, and a river will, will burst forth out of the temple mount there in Jerusalem. That water will run down, all the way down to the Dead Sea. And you know what it says we're going to do for eternity? Fish. Praise God. <laughs> we're going to fish. It says fish everywhere. That's what it says. You can read it for yourself. Do your own Bible study. That's what it says. We're going to fish. Uh, I just got even more excited. <laughs> Verse 19, Romans 5, 19. I'll bring it rabbit wreck around here, chasing rabbits. For as by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners. In other words, you inherited that. I just shared uh, in the previous service how I talked to one of my brothers this week, and uh, he's up in Ohio, and, and uh, he's all uh, injured and laid up, and, and uh, just had his birthday this week, and uh, come to find out his, his, his leg is worse off now because uh, he's got a, a family trait that is a, uh, is a condition in our family, and it's called hard-headedness, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> and and uh, it, it runs in the family. And <laughs> I was telling him, I said, you know, I, I'm just constantly amazed by this fact. And, and, I, and I tell Christy all the time, it is absolutely amazing that I have a, a mama that's hard-headed, a daddy that's hard-headed. I've got siblings that are hard-headed. And it completely skipped me and went to my children. <laughs> it's amazing. It's amazing. Isn't God good? Praise the Lord. So, <laughs> she, she corrects me on that, basically saying, no, you got the double portion. That's what you got. <laughs> uh, what does this passage say? It says, you inherited something. You're just like your daddy. And his daddy, and his daddy, and his daddy. For as by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners. So also by one man's obedience, many will be made righteous. Amen. Amen? Because Jesus said to his father, I'll go 
and I'll make a way of salvation for all humanity. He was obedient to the Father. Now we have, we have this righteousness. Now I know that I struggle with that. I have struggled with that word because we have this mentality going back to the tree of knowledge of good, of knowledge of good, knowledge of good and evil. We have this mentality that righteousness is right doing. Righteousness is not right doing. Righteousness will lead to right doing. What is righteousness? Righteousness is right standing. It's right standing. That you are either in sin or you are in Christ. There's no middle ground. You're either in sin, you're lost, you're the hellbound sinner, or you're in Christ, you're saved. You're not sort of saved, you're saved. Everybody with me? You're either in sin or you're righteous. Now, if we continue to think by the knowledge of good and evil, then I say, well, I'm not righteous because I just sinned. No, you're, you're missing it. Uh, he became sin, 2 Corinthians 5, 21. He became sin who knew no sin that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. He moved you out of your sinfulness and moved you into his righteousness when you came to the cross of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. So you just go ahead and settle it in your heart. Because that's really where the right living is going to come from. Settle it in your heart. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Because God has transformed me and transferred me from this position of sin into his righteousness. That's good preaching. My goodness. Moreover, verse 20, the law entered that offense. That more, the, moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound. But where sin abounded... Grace abounded much more. I love these much more verses that we just read. Sin did all it could do, but God has done so much more. Amen. Amen. And he's doing so much more in you and in me. Verse 21. So that as sin reigned in death, even so grace might reign through righteousness to eternal life. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. There's a lot in those verses, aren't there? There's a lot of spiritual treasure in those verses of Scripture. Man messed things up. And when humanity sinned and then comes the curse, God says, I will. I will bring salvation. And he comes and he sends Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ makes a way of salvation. And, and, and all who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And then 50 days after the, the, the day of Pentecost, 50 days after the crucifixion, I mean 50 days after Passover, there's what was called the day of Pentecost. On the day of Pentecost, he sent the Holy Spirit. And that was really the birth of the church in which now it's like the Old Testament was God is for us. And in the Gospels of Jesus on earth, his name was Emmanuel, God is with us. But now, since the day of Pentecost, it's God is in us. Amen? And he has brought life into our dead bodies. And he has brought us into a condition and a position of life. But you were never meant to live by knowledge of good and evil, Christian. So if you're going to wake up in the morning and start your checklist again, you're starting off on the wrong foot. 
I've had people say, man, you just read that word. It'll absolutely transform your life. Yeah, if you let it. Yeah. I can also read it mindlessly and just go, done. Anybody with As me and one other. <laughs> can, we not, can we not go through the, the word of life, read it, and it, and it passes through our mind, but it does not transfer transform our hearts where is the key it's found in his presence it's found in his presence and so i just want to encourage every one of us to live in fellowship with the lord preacher it's almost sounding like you've turned liberal on us you you say there's no good and evil no i not even close to what i said i said you weren't meant to live by that knowledge you are, with, you are meant to live that way. Yes, there is good and evil. In fact, when, when Christ came, the standard was not lowered. It was raised. Here's the difference. Jesus says, in Matthew chapter 5, he preaches the Sermon on the Mount, and Jesus says this, You have heard it said of old. In other words, law. You have heard it said of old, thou shalt not. And he starts naming some of these laws. And then he says, but I say to you, you have heard it said of old that thou shalt not murder. See, the law can only judge actions. He said, you've heard it said that you know the law. You know the law says you don't murder. And Jesus says, but I say to you, don't hate your brother. What is he saying? It's a matter of the heart. The continuation of this sermon will be next week in which we get back into this matter of the heart. But there's a transformation that happens when God does what he said he's going to do and remove a heart of stone and put in a heart of flesh and then put the Holy Spirit in us. Now we have a heart sensitive to the leading of the Holy Spirit. And then we're back to life. Amen? Back to life. Father God, I pray that you would just convince and convict. Holy Spirit, this is your role, to convince and convict. Convince and convict us of the goodness of you, Father God. That you, Father God, sent your only begotten Son, Jesus Christ, our Savior, into this world. The whole Godhead is involved in our salvation. Thank you, Lord. I pray that we'd be so moved, Holy Spirit, over our sinfulness if we're here today and we are not yet saved. That you would bring us to a place of conviction in which we would call upon the name of the Lord and be saved. And experience that transformation where the heart of stone is removed from us and a heart of flesh is put in that place so that then the Holy Spirit's got something he can work with. And then... Lord, for us who, we've been saved a while now, but tend to drift out of fellowship and back into checklist Christianity. Pray that you'd stir us and convince us and convict us to come back into fellowship with you and live with a tender heart towards you. May you be glorified in it all. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.